Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, when preaching 40 years of your life, sometimes you preach on subjects, you preach on principles, you preach on patterns, which are all great. But sometimes we don't just preach on Jesus. And the last few weeks, I've been looking at the life of Jesus in my Bible reading time and looking at the postures of Jesus, the way he would stoop down to people that were broken and the way he would respond in difficult situations. And I thought, gee, we need to be reminded afresh of what it really looks like to be like Jesus. And last night I was looking up information about the Kia Stinger and other cars on YouTube. And while I'm looking at this, Sharon had taken the grandkids home. I was home on my own. Up on the screen comes a story of a drunk man, homeless, who walks in off the street into a church service like this. A little bit smaller meeting than this. It was a Spanish-speaking service. And he starts to create chaos in the meeting. He's quite drunk. He's sort of falling over people but then makes his way towards the platform. And the pastor of the church had the wisdom to not kick him out, but just welcome him up to the platform. He was really drunk. As he comes up, he wants the microphone. And so the pastor, the people are laughing. They're wondering what's gonna happen next. And the pastor hands him the microphone and he starts to sing. And he starts to sing about the love of God. He starts to sing about the hope in the gospel. Obviously, he's in a moment of deep brokenness. And yet there was a moment of acceptance in his broken state in the house of God where a man says, okay, sing. And as he began to sing within minutes, the presence of God comes. People start crying. You can look it up on YouTube and just go and put drunk homeless drunk man walks into church (laughs) and you can have a look at it this afternoon I could have showed it to you but it's going to take too long for some reason and it might not have this effect on you but for some reason for about 40 minutes I just couldn't stop crying I'm counselling someone right now who's very broken and I sent them the video I said have a look at this and of course they contacted me via text and said, I'm a mess right now. Because I'm reminded again that God would rather have us broken than not have us at all. This is not a permission to go and get drunk so you can bring the presence of God to church. (laughs) Please understand the context. I'd love to know what happened to that man after that moment. He, He looked a lot more sober towards the end of the song than when he started. And it reminds me this morning that if there was no church on the planet, there'd be no hope for the world. The church of Jesus Christ isn't just a gathering of people. It's the hope of a broken world. And if there's ever a time when the church needs to be seen for who it's really meant to be, it's now. The church right now in the Western world should be shining its light brighter not doing our Christianity lighter. I wrote this last night as it came into my spirit. We can't do Christianity lighter 
We need to shine the Gospel brighter in a world that is so full of fear and discontentment. And we're not meant to be the fright of the world. We're meant to be the light of the world. We're not here to scare people away. We're here to be the answer to such a broken world. And tonight I'm gonna continue this whole sort of posture about Jesus wanting to connect with us individually in a way that is so awesome. I mean, you can't, you can't trust Telstra anymore. You can't trust the banks anymore. You can't even trust our cricketers anymore. You can't even trust Bill Cosby anymore. You can't trust the Ford Motor Company anymore. Who can you trust? 30 years ago, I read a book by a man called Floyd McClung. That is not a disease of the lungs, that's his name. And he wrote a book called Holiness and the Spirit of the Age and he predicted the day we are living in. He's still alive in his 80s now, I guess, living in South Africa. A man who started a ministry to prostitutes in Amsterdam many, many years ago, created a ministry and built a building shaped like the ark, called it the ark where people could come and find refuge. He wrote this book called Holiness and the Spirit of the Age. And he mentioned five spirits that would come on earth that the church would have to contend with. The first one is the good life gospel, where people would wanna go to church just for what the church can do for them. And I'm glad the church can do a lot of good for people. We are the answer, but it's not the full story. The other part of this spirit of the age is individualism, where personal comfort overrides serving others. The next one is consumerism, which is success is determined by our possessions. Pluralisation, no moral absolutes where morally you could choose what you want. I saw a documentary yesterday afternoon, just a short few minutes that now that we have an understanding of same-sex marriage and all those things that have been accepted in our society, they are now breaking it up into different categories of those things. Over 26 different categories of lesbianism. So many different categories of homosexuality. And please don't misunderstand, we need to be compassionate and loving of the broken. But let me tell you, putting people into categories is not gonna bring people to freedom, but the Gospel of Jesus Christ can set people free in a way that we don't have to have pluralisation where there are many moral absolutes and many multiple choices. Secularisation, which is shoving God to the sidelines and not to the centre. And right in the midst of a society that is so confused, doesn't know who it can trust, the greatest days of the church are right before us, but there's something God's been speaking to me about, I believe, and that is we need to get our accent back. The church of Jesus Christ needs to get its accent back. We need to be recognised by our accent Christianity, according to Father Richard Raw, a very famous Catholic priest who's well known around the world, says Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, non-violent, shared and loving. However, we've made it into an established religion and all that goes with that and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be warlike, 
greedy, racist, selfish and vain in most of Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Saviour. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is far too great. I believe with all my heart that there's an authentic church that's rising up across the planet. And I do believe that this is one of those houses where God's preparing us, Victory Church. He's preparing us in the midst of such a confusion and people not knowing whether God is real and what He's really like and what God we really have invented that doesn't fit the God of the Bible. In the midst of that, God is raising up a church that's got a very clear accent and it lives as a citizen of heaven. You may be uh, mistaken for thinking or maybe you know understood for thinking today that if Danny's going to speak on heaven, he's going to speak on heaven because of his pain and his loss and his suffering of losing a son. But I want to tell you heaven has always been part of my journey over the years. However, we've gone from one extreme to the other. I remember when we were young and we had films at church called A Thief in the Night. We had guys like Barry Smith, some of you remember him, talking about 666, the mark of the beast. It's amazing how many young people got married really young because they wanted to try marriage before the Lord came back. I mean, this was 1972. 1973, I was a child bride at 18, you know. So, um, you know, and, uh, and we got married. Jesus is coming soon and 44 years later, Sharon and I probably wishing Jesus would come soon, but no, 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 who said that? (laughs) But now we don't talk about eternity at all. And the, the fact is we are citizens of another place. We don't come from here. Now, many of you know I am Italian and my dad brought me to Australia at the age of, he was only young himself, I was four in 1960. But if you visit my dad at the home where my mum is right now, you talk to my dad, he still talk like that. You say, how are you going today? Oh, you know, thanks to God. That's a life, you know. And that's how my father talks. Now, you're not gonna think he's Chinese. You're not gonna sit there and go, oh, what part of Hong Kong you come from? Because my dad talk like that. Now, not only has he got an accent, see, he came from Italy, but he lives in Australia. We come from eternity, we don't live for eternity. And we live on colony earth. You're never gonna go into my dad's place while he's cooking and think he's cooking dim sims. Or spring law, no spring law. You walk into his house, you're gonna smell sauce. Because ladies and gentlemen, your accent is connected to your culture. The culture that my father has is married to that accent. That's why his fruit trees grow in the front garden. That's why where roses are supposed to be, there are lettuce patches. That's why when you go to my dad's place, you look at his front garden and you, don't, you know homes and garden didn't do this decor. Nets over all the trees so the birds can't get them with scarecrows of the jumpers I bought my dad years ago on the scarecrow. 
And it doesn't take long and you know my dad by his accent, but you also know him by his culture. The sausages that he makes, the pigs that they used to kill to make prosciutto and salami, the different pasta shops, you just have to drive into Glind and there's pasta factories everywhere, cheese factories everywhere. Because when they came to this country as migrants, they brought their accent and their culture. And Christians should have an accent that's connected to a culture that people say, that's a Christian. Oh, I know by your accent, you're a Christian. Oh, you must be a Christian. And you see the Apostle Paul is one of my great heroes and he had an accent and his accent was eternity. No matter what he wrote about, he wrote from eternity. So one day he's talking to the Philippians. He starts writing to them in chapter one. You can go and read the story. And he talks to the Philippians and he's telling them, hey, listen, you are citizens of heaven. You need to live by that culture just like you are citizens of Rome. You see, in Rome, all the rules are made by which how you live in Philippi. So you live the culture of Rome, but you live in colony Philippi. And just like that is in the natural, in the supernatural, you're meant to live by the accent and the culture of where we are from because we are on colony earth and we are passing through. This is not where we're staying and we need to carry the accent of home while we're down here. So people go, wow, you guys are Christians. And so in Philippians chapter four, I'm gonna give you four accents or five accents that I believe God wants in our lives if we're gonna live by the culture of where we're from. Philippians chapter one and verse four, chapter four, sorry, Philippians chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. I talk to pastors that are having nervous breakdowns. Every week I fly out tomorrow morning to go not to preach, but to reach some broken situations. And the sad thing is I talk to pastors that don't talk about their people with joy. They don't say, you're my joy. You're the people I hang out with. You're my partners in the Gospel. No, those people are causing me a nervous breakdown. Why? Because somewhere along the line, We've started doing churchianity different than Christianity and we've lost our accent. And when we lose our accent, we lose our culture and then people lose their identity and they don't know where they're from, where they are or where they're going. But I wanna tell you friends, it's all changing and the greatest days for the church are in front of us as we get our accent back and get the culture of heaven happening. Now verse two, I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche. I think Yodia was in Star Wars. <laughs> Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, partner, not hang around her, partner to help these two women. For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Heaven's culture. Two women who are good ladies. They worked in the Gospel and yet there were issues they couldn't sort out. 
and they got ticketh in the spirit against each other. And Paul has to mention their names and go, will you tell those two women to sort it out? Will you tell them to stop this because eternity is at stake? The culture of heaven is at stake. Let me keep reading and then I'll give you the points quite quickly. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Another version, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. How many times does eternity get mentioned? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done, not what you want Him to do. Then you will experience God's peace. There's a then before the peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learnt and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Here are the five postures that I found in this passage of Scripture that if we got hold of it as a church, we'd be unbelievable. The number one accent of heaven in this passage is partnership. You are my partners in the Gospel. These two women are our partners. We're all partners. I said at the second service, we don't create unity. We preserve what God's already given us. In Ephesians 4, it says, preserve the unity of the Spirit. If you are born again and I'm born again, we are united whether we like it or not. They were united in the ark, all different animals, all different shapes and sizes. Nobody jumped out in the midst of a storm, they couldn't. One elephant would do 36 kilos of poo a day. That's a bit of teaching for you. One elephant sitting next to someone that maybe was affected by the aroma. But you know what? The poo inside the ark is better than the storm outside. People can knock the church made up of people that make mistakes or we can partner together knowing we've been united by the Spirit of God and we preserve what God has already given us because we have a spirit of partnership. One of the greatest areas of witchcraft in the church is friendships that attack the leadership. Friendships that attack other, I've not shared this anywhere this morning, but I'm feeling led by the Holy Spirit. You just need to hear me because I'm travelling Australia. This is keeping me in a job, dealing with people that won't sort out their issues. And you think, but eternity's at stake. You see, and biblical friendships, Hebrews chapter 13, verse one says, love one another with true Christian love. Not the same way the world loves. Anybody can love people that they agree with. It's a different thing to love people where you have different points of view. But true Christian love means that we connect with one another, we comfort one another, but we also correct one another. We have to be able to correct one another. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend in Proverbs 27 verse six. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than man's kisses from an en- many kisses from an en- enemy. You know, people say to me, you know, I'm just looking for the, I woke up this morning and I wrote this down. Why do you look for the perfect church 
Well, go looking for a church of perfection when you don't let God touch your imperfection. If we don't allow God to bring up our imperfection, how can we chase a church of perfection? Because it's made up of people. We're the church. I'm the church. You're the church. And so one of the things of the accent of heaven, by this shall all men know you, my disciples, by the trendy lights, uh, by the holes in your jeans, which I'm going to wear tonight. And so, because I want to look like Pastor Tony, I so want to look like him. 30 years older or whatever, 20 years older. But mine haven't got the real holes. They sort of just got faint holes, like fake holes, because I can't quite bring myself there. I'm not that holy yet. People sit with me and go, Pastor Danny, why don't people recognise my ministry? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11 says, we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. The greatest ministry we can have is to reconcile people back to God and to each other. And so the first one is partnership. The second one is praise. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen to me carefully. This is my definition of this passage of Scripture. I think it fits in. It's a positive faith posture. I don't wake up every morning wanting to sing. My grief is still there very, very deeply every moment of my life. There are moments, not every moment, but there are moments every day of my life where the grief just overwhelms you. And I don't just wanna go skipping through the lounge room. Yippee, yippee, yay. What does it mean rejoice in the Lord always? It means this, rejoice in the Lord always. It means to rechoice in the Lord always. Every day I have to choose to have a positive faith posture that I'm no spiritual guinea pig. God wants to experiment at mommy's child. He loves me and He's all just and He's all righteous. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. I don't feel like dancing right now, but I'm gonna take a stance when I can't dance. And I'm gonna say to God, hey, I'm gonna rejoice to rejoice. I know Greg Downton's here this morning because I, you shall know them by the cars they drive. And so I pulled up in the driveway and I saw his car. Where are you, Greg? There you are back there. Greg and Jean came over for dinner a few months ago and he brought me a book. And the book was about heaven. I don't know how many copies, Greg, you've given away of heaven. But you know, Greg, you need to know this morning that I have given that book to so many pastors and leaders that right now, It's having such an effect on their lives. And as I read that book, I started getting excited about heaven and realise how little we talk about heaven and how little do we talk to our people about we live from eternity. We don't just live for eternity. And I wanna tell you, friends, we can rejoice to have a positive faith posture, to stay in partnership I've discovered every human being I come in contact with and myself included is full of such amazing things and, and, and full of so much crappy stuff. We, we do stupid things. I've done stupid things all my life in my marriage, in my home as a father, but I haven't done all bad things. I've done good things and I've done bad things, but I can rechoice. It's never too late to rechoice. 
and make the right decisions. But let me tell you, we need to accept people unconditionally and love them, but we don't have to agree with unbiblical behaviour. We can disagree with a pattern of behaviour that doesn't line up with the Word of God, but we don't cut the person off. And I wanna tell you, I'm learning so much about that because I feel by heaven's accent, I need to be in partnership with other believers. And I'm not perfect, they're not perfect, but we're in partnership. I have a positive Positive faith posture. And number three, it says in verse six, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, I don't pray without ceasing by shutting the door. And I grew up under a man called Tim Hall and I thought God was deaf because he taught us to pray so loud that the veins in our neck would nearly burst when we prayed. I used to pray with three other guys in Pilgrim Uniting Church in Flinders Street, Adelaide when I was in my early 20s and they kicked us out of the church because we were praying too loud. (laughs) They kicked us out. The Uniting Pilgrim Church go, we were in the attic. (laughs) We're praying in the attic at lunchtime. And they go, you're causing a disruption for the people that are praying downstairs, wanting silent prayer. So we were cut off from going to that church to pray, not realising we didn't have to shout our lungs out. You don't have to shut the door and pray without ceasing from morning to night. What does it mean to Danny Gug to pray without ceasing? It's to be constantly dependent and to be constantly reverent. It's a state of humility where you say, God, Every moment of the day, you can talk to me. I do have my time of prayer. I do all those things. But Lord, every moment of the day, driving here this morning, I pulled up on Walkley's Road, pulled up on the side of the road because God started to talk to me about the benefit of walking with Jesus. And I couldn't, the tears started to flow and I pulled over and I started to write it in my phone. Why? Because it's prayer without ceasing. It's a constant state of dependency. It's a constant state of God. You can speak to me anytime. You can pat me on the shoulder anytime. I'm in constant humility before you because I depend on you and I'm reverently trusting you with my life. That's prayer without ceasing because you can't be full of yourself when you're full of Him. And so then it says, And the peace of God will be your portion in verse nine. You know something? I reckon if I'm in partnership with God and with the people around me, if I've got a positive faith posture where I read choice every day and I'm in a state of prayer of dependency, I reckon the peace is guaranteed. I think the peace will come. The peace will be there. You see, then it says practice your faith. Ladies and gentlemen, there are three very clear biblical evidences of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't believe you can be a true follower of Jesus and not be a disciple. A follower of Jesus is a disciple. Every Christian is a disciple. And so in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, your love for one another will prove to the world You are my disciples. The love you have one for another will prove to the world you are my disciples. John 15 verse seven. If you remain in me, I looked up the word remain in the Greek. Just wanna make sure I understood what it meant. It means remain. So wow, it actually means what it says. If you remain in me, you may ask, 
for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Love, fruit and continuance are the three evidences of being a disciple. Do you know how many people are gonna be in heaven one day? This freaks me out a little bit because Tony and Kath remained. I am a pastor and I can speak on behalf of pastors and I'm not patronising pastors because we need to lay our lives down for our sheep. I understand all that. But I'm dealing with a lot of broken leaders that don't wanna remain. I know the time at a hospital bed where if I come through this, I won't lose my testimony. I know the times when a pastor's wife sits with me and goes, I can't do this anymore. Tears are running down her cheeks into the spaghetti marinara she ordered for dinner. And I'm thinking I'm so upset because if she didn't have those tears, I could eat it for her. But I mean, (laughs) how compassionate is that? I thought she's ruining a whole plate of spaghetti marinara. Now listen to me carefully. She's given me permission to tell the story. She's even said I can tell her name, but I'm not. I hate this. I don't want this anymore. And you know, when God just drops something in your heart that you'd never thought of or said before, I said, how old were you when you gave your life to Jesus? She said, 14 at a youth camp. I said, did you feel that was like a marriage? It was like a covenant connection with Jesus? She goes, absolutely. Then did you go to Bible college because you thought it was bridal college? Did you go to Bible college to find a husband? No. She goes, no, I went there because I got called. And you met your husband there, right? And you both called. And then 28 years ago when you took on the church, did you feel you were called to that church? Absolutely. The tears are just pouring down her face. So did you realise you gave your life to Jesus out of a covenant commitment. You responded to the call of God out of a covenant commitment. And then you took on the church with a covenant commitment, which is like a marriage, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And so you laid your life down in your heart and made those people your family. Now, when people leave, and please don't be guilted by what I'm saying today, it's just the truth. People get up and leave, they didn't give covenant back to you. You gave covenant to them, but it wasn't a two-way street. So they can leave and go somewhere else and never think about you again. But you stay in bed crying your eyes out because it's like a divorce. And I said, and you know what? Are you prepared to do another 28 years by people treating you like you're their de facto but you are still willing to give covenant relationship because we live by the culture of heaven. And Jesus died on a cross 
so we don't get offended. But He died on a cross so that I can stay in covenant relationship with Him. I can stay in covenant relationship with the call of God on my life. And I can stay in covenant relationship with people, whether they come or go, my part will be done right. I can't guarantee how everybody does their part, but we gotta stay in covenant. Otherwise we won't remain in Him because we're called by love, by fruit and by continuance. I want the musicians to come, thank you. And you know, I said it to Tony today, I think the best days, and I am choosing my words very carefully. You've been in preparation up to now for this point. God chooses houses for times in history. And at a time when a world hates religion, at a time when people don't know who the real Jesus is anymore, We don't wanna build a religious institution, but we want Victory Church to have its accent, an accent of welcome, an accent of the broken are welcome here, an accent where we will go on the journey of restoration because God loves you too much to leave you broken. We will not judge you by the colour of your skin or what you are wearing, but we'll judge you by the fact that you've got an open heart to be healed and touched and transformed. And we just wanna have the accent of heaven that will help you come with us and become part of a family that has an eternal purpose because we're just passing through. Partnership, praise, prayer, peace and practice. What breaks my heart, ladies and gentlemen, is just like the world is broken today. There was a man in the Bible called Nehemiah who restored the broken walls of a city, Jerusalem. Later, the temple of God was restored and Zerubbabel and and Nehemiah and they all worked in team. Nobody pushed for the glory. If you go and read Nehemiah 8, it's an amazing picture. And yet one day Nehemiah goes home to his boss, job done. Can I stop and say this prophetically this morning as strong as I can and as lovingly as I can, please church, and I hope Tony won't tell me off later, but I feel it so strongly, is I'm finding all over Australia that in some churches, people don't always stay on staff forever. But there are seasons where people will serve in a staff role and then not serve in a staff role for a while. And what I'm finding around Australia is the first reaction from carnal Christians is what's the leadership doing wrong? And you know, Nehemiah, he built the whole walls of a city and then went back to his boss. He didn't stay and say, where's my position now that I've restored these broken walls? He goes back to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, not Nebuchadnezzar, the other king, Xerxes or whatever his name is, and goes back to it. And then what happens was one of the priests who was friends with the guy that caused the greatest trouble to Nehemiah, Tobiah and Sambalat, there were two of them. What happened was when Nehemiah goes home, the priest allows the guy with all the wrong stuff to bring all his stuff into the church, into the temple. He brought all the belongings that they had and filled a room in the temple. And Nehemiah has to go back to Jerusalem and empty that room again of all the stuff that was gonna stop the house of God being a true reflection of the anointing. And he had to re, what he had to do is he had to purify that room so that there'd be holiness in the house of God. But you know what happened? During the time when stuff was being polluted, 
the kids went off and married the women of Moab. They went and married the women of Ashtoth or something like that. And the Bible says that half of them completely lost the language of Judah. And they could no longer speak the language of Judah. We are one generation away of young people not knowing who Jesus is. If we don't live by the culture of heaven, if we don't live by the culture God has given us, if we don't do that, our grandkids won't have a place of reference to know what it is not to allow certain stuff in our lives. I close with this. I was flying home from Brisbane and I wrote this on my phone. We have a new Jesus in the Western world today. We have a Jesus that caresses us, but won't correct us. We have a Jesus that loves us, but doesn't lead us. We have a Jesus that connects us, but doesn't convict us. We have a Jesus that's given us a Bible for our devotional, but it's not a non-negotiable. We have a Jesus who's taught us how to dance, but He hasn't taught us how to take a stance. We have a Jesus we believe in, but we don't actually wanna behave like Him. We have a Jesus of prosperity, but He never speaks to us about eternity. You turn on Christian television today and show me how many people are promising people eternal life. Half a minute at the end of a service, but the rest of the sermon is about you can have all you want on this earth when you want it, how you want it. No wonder people get disappointed when they don't get what was promised by the preacher on the TV. Did you know some of the greatest voices, including Benny Hinn, right now are apologising to the body of Christ for the lies that they've taught over many years by making prosperity about everything down here on earth and not preaching the proper definition of prosperity. In the meantime, lots of people have been ripped off and that's sad, but I don't wanna give my life one more day on this planet without my accent. I wanna talk like this. So when do they say, I know where you're from? And friends today, let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au 